We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget, and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep. Okay, so NHK is something I've talked about many times. NHK is a TV channel. It's the national broadcasting channel. In That's fine. Uh, you are obligated to pay for it if you enter into the contract. So it gets a lot of heat because a lot of people don't want to pay or don't pay, and then they come after them, and it's shit like that. So it's sort of an antiquated idea, especially in the the age of streaming and whatnot, and they don't do a lot to compete. So I don't have a lot of love for NHK. And then I found out that the president of NHK had decided to switch the company from a seniority-based system to a merit-based system, which is something I really appreciate because it means one of my biggest complaints about Japan's society, primarily politics, but this works in corporations as well, is seniority is overvalued. You have people who are put in a position because they're old or they've been there forever. They haven't innovated or learned anything new. So the company, or in this case, politics or whatnot, does not innovate along with it. And that's how you end up with antiquated ideas being pushed through and the minister of technology not knowing anything about technology. That's all based on seniority. So he did a lot of things. So the former NHK president who retired this January introduced a number of new measures such as eliminating the seniority system and professional sectionalism. However, the move met a strong backlash from within the broadcaster, including a claim that a throng of employees have left due to the abrupt changes in the system. The current NHK leadership has therefore decided to amend the personnel policy to replace the system entirely. Basically what they're saying is that you had all these people in senior positions and this dude comes in, he's like, you don't deserve your senior positions, or maybe you do. Let's find out. Let's create a meritocracy and you can keep your position. But anyone coming up, they're not going to come up because they're your flunky or because of their, just because of their age, they're going to come up because they actually have skills. And all the people who are probably, now I assume, not particularly skilled or didn't really deserve their position, they're all like, no, that system sucks because I might not get to keep my job. So then as soon as this guy retires, really quickly right afterwards, they're like, we're going to bail on that system we created and go back to the old system where I get to keep my job. And that's one of the problems with the senior people being in charge and the people in power being in charge, because what they have to do is consolidate power to make sure they can keep their power. So another quote from the article, during his tenure, Maeda laid out a policy to cut back on the ratio of managerial posts from the 30% range to 20% range. So he wants to cut... 10% of the managers or put them down or, or retire them. He introduced exams for appointed managerial staff. So you couldn't just be like, I've been here 10 years. I deserve to be a manager. You're like, now you have to pass a test with the aim of scrapping the seniority system by promoting junior and mid-level career employees. He also offered an early retirement plan for those in their 50s and supported their reemployment. He also introduced a system to relieve staff from managerial posts after they have reached a certain age. This is all stuff that I said should happen in politics in Japan. I think it should be universal. I think there should be an upper limit of the age 
of politicians. A lot of the politicians, when they hit their 70s, they're not in the right space to be running countries anymore. Uh, just like these guys probably aren't in the right space to be running new management. So like the guys in their 50s, myself included, they're not really the ones who are going to be innovating a system. Maybe they can take a system and make it work, a system they already know. But they're not going to be innovating and making new things. They're not going to be jumping onto the internet. They're going to, not going to be creating a new system for NHK to move forward into the future. And if they don't know the technology, if they don't know what's going on, if they can't pass these tests, they certainly don't deserve the position. So that was very interesting to me. And these are all steps that I think companies and governments should take. Uh, sure. The, the thing that I actually was most interested in was it was mid-level career people with skills could then surpass senior level people. And so you would have the best people in position to actually do a job. And that is incredibly antithetical to the way Japanese work culture and political culture works. So I really, really was excited that this happened. But of course, I didn't learn about it until that system had been scrapped, which is complete bullshit. According to multiple individuals close to NHK, NHK board members of the executive body held a meeting in early July to discuss the personnel system introduced by Maeda. So these are all the people most at risk. These are the oldest people. These are the people who achieved their position through seniority. Uh, they're not necessarily the most skilled people, but they're the people with power. The attendees analyzed that the system made light of senior employees, which it should, and reported it gave a rise to promotions and assignments that didn't match personnel evaluations on site. So what they're saying is people are getting promoted and they're not getting promoted in the way I got promoted. I got promoted because I put my time in, man. Put my time in and the time's what matters. But the reality is in a business, time is not what matters. It's skill. So I've met many people who have worked the same job for many years and they will talk to you about how they have so much experience at their job, at the thing they do. They fail to take into account they've never had a good evaluation. They've never done a good job. So I've been working at the same company. I've had the same job for 20 years. That sounds like a good thing, but if you haven't done a good day in 20 years, that's problematic. So that's something to be aware of. So this guy, Maeda, the former NHK president, sounds like the kind of guy I want in charge because he's like, let's make changes and let's make the people who come up be the, the best people to drive NHK into the future. I want to do the same thing in politics. Let's have the people come up, be the innovators who actually understand technology and the problems that society is going to face into the future and have them drive Japan into the future. But of course, as soon as he stepped aside a little bit, everyone's like, well, get rid of that crap that might make me lose my job and my bonus and make me retire because I don't do much work, but I get to sit at my desk. I don't know why my senior Japanese executives have sort of Western accents. I want a little cowboy there. But uh, let's face it, it's that cowboy attitude that's going to get you through the day. Okay, this is ah, weird Japanese politics. The director of Women's Affairs Division has agreed to step down because of literally the most Japanese photo I've ever seen. So she went to Paris on a fact-finding mission and to do research into women's issues and stuff and to look at how other countries are handling it. And there's sort of a conference and important women leaders are there. There's a previous one I actually didn't talk about where it was like G7 countries all sent a representative for women's issues. <laughs> Japan sent a man. So they have this picture and it's like six 
I assume very powerful women in politics from their countries and this Japanese dude. And I mean, because of course he was going to speak on behalf of Japanese women, but a Japanese man, that only makes sense. It's, this is the way it's done. I found that funny, but uh, I think they've maybe swapped out. So anyways, this lady went to Paris and she's doing the work she's supposed to be doing. And she's out in front of the Eiffel Tower and she's with two other ladies and she's like, oh, let's take a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower. So they do a very Japanese thing. Uh, they do a goofy picture. So it's her and her two friends and they steeple their hands above their heads and they stand in front of the Eiffel Tower, mimicking the Eiffel Tower that is behind them. It is a very innocent, quite frankly, very sweet picture of a woman who's probably very excited to be in France. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just guess for the first time because she looks very happy to be there. She posted this on her Twitter and Japanese media went apeshit. Uh, so much so that they're like, this is inappropriate behavior. You shouldn't be having, they're essentially saying you shouldn't be having fun, but you go out to a conference in another country. That doesn't mean you can't also have fun and you're not working 100% of the time. They did this with the prime minister's son. The prime minister's son actually also had to step down. Now he seemed to have a little bit more going on, but they were making a big deal of him taking pictures while he was in France. And I'm like, yeah, he's driving around, he's picking people up. He's doing diplomat stuff. Let's say. He's essentially the, the prime minister's uh, aide. Uh, let him take some pictures. It's, Japan's really weird about that. Like you're there to work. You should only work, but you're still a human being and you're not working 24 hours a day. So taking a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower, it's not like she was doing anything dirty or offensive or anything like that. She's just doing a very innocent picture. So I really feel like this one was unfair. Uh, so after the public backlash, of her being a really normal Japanese lady. <laughs> That's the bit I can't get over. I've seen so many Japanese pictures where this is, I would be like, it'd be weird if she didn't do that. Yeah. I can't say anything more. It was a nice picture and I'm really sorry. I bet she's a nice lady who's doing a good job and I can public out. I think they're just looking for shit. It's almost like Japan's so got so few problems it's not they don't, though. We, like, I mean, that's what I talk about every week is all the problems Japan has. Focus on those. When people go overseas to take pictures, don't take a fucking picture. That's just ridiculous. Okay, so Japan has done something that is terrifying. Uh, the Fukushima nuclear reactor problem almost blew up, didn't blow up, but caused problems, shut down. Uh, now there's a ton of liquid that's been radiated and they're like, we got to get rid of it. We've been sitting there for years. They came up with a plan. What we're going to do is slowly release it into the ocean. Which sounds very, very scary. Uh, and they did. They started working, started last Thursday. Everyone who wants to freak out, that was your chance to freak. Now, other countries have reacted to this in a negative, which it was expected. Um, Thing is, two countries in particular had very strong reactions. Both Russia and China said they didn't want Japan to release the wastewater into the ocean. They both said we would prefer if you would vaporize it, so basically create steam and have it go up into the atmosphere. And they're saying that it would have less sort of effect or impact on neighboring countries. I'm pretty sure the neighboring countries they were talking about, China and Russia. Um, the issue... And this is one of the problems between sort of international politics is if you've listened to Ninja News Japan 
over the last little while, Russia and, and China have been taking a very particular stance with Japan as a country. And that particular stance, I would go so far as to say is intimidation or bullying or trying to be the big dog. This is where I come from. It would be, he's trying to big dog them. Um, and it hasn't worked. So Japan hasn't really backed down. In fact, Japan has pushed back, which has made China freak out once or twice. Uh, North Korea certainly has freaked out once or twice. We did have that group was saying like Japan's military we're following the constitution. The constitution says we can only defend ourselves, but let's redefine defend ourselves as be able to shoot rockets and missiles into other countries and hit things that are attacking us. So you can see there is an element of Japan that is saying like, if you keep pushing us, we're not going to push back, but we're going to make sure you can't push anymore, which is terrifying. So with that cultural point that Japan... Russia, China have a contentious relationship. When Japan or when China and Russia make a request, a legitimate request, we think doing research that this is a better way to do this, you should listen to us. Japan's going to be like, dude, you just spent the, you just like sent warships into my ocean. You shot missiles into my uh, exclusive economic zone. We're not going to listen to you. We're going to do what we want. They actually got approval from other countries. And to sort of put everyone more at ease, the amount of radiation measured in the ocean has not changed in any significant way. So you hear like, people hear the word radiation and they should freak out. I think that's fair. People, again, sort of forget that bananas are radioactive. So as long as there's like a little bit, not very much, it actually has no negative impact on you. I mean, we're all thinking radioactive fish and stuff. And who knows? Because this is going to be constant, continual release of the radiated wastewater into the ocean. Yeah, it could lead to mutations. It could lead to uh, lizards who grow up uh, bigger than before and have, you know, maybe extracurricular powers. Um, yes, it could lead to Godzilla. But as we've seen historically in the films, that man knows how to handle that. And they take the brunt of it. So. China and, and Russia might want to just sit back and let Godzilla happen. That might be the thing. Some other actual, uh, I almost said it, fallout from this. Uh, China has banned import on all marine products, this is primarily seafood, from Japan. Japan uh, China is the largest export destination for Japanese seafood, though. So this is going to have a really big impact on Japanese business. But a good thing for me and anyone who's actually living in Japan, there might be an excess of fish that does not get exported, which means fish prices in Japan may go down, which if you're like me, you eat a lot of fish. That's a pretty good thing. It also set off some freakouts. Uh, any sort of situation like this is going to have people overreact. In China, they started hoarding salt because they were thinking that there's not going to be enough salt available. Uh, all the salt that might comes out of the ocean uh, might be irradiated, something like that. So they're all been hoarding salt. The government's like, don't do that. And they got really weirdly racist in its own way by saying like, we are not Koreans. This is not how we behave. So apparently China doesn't just look down on Japan. It also looks down on Korea. Not a big surprise, if I'm being honest. I, I hate saying China because it's not... Chinese people. It's the Chinese government, which has to follow a very strict party line. 
So I think every now and then I have to reiterate that as I take digs at China, it's not the Chinese people. Because honestly, pretty much every Chinese person I've met has been very nice. It's the Chinese government, which is borderline dictatorial and the communist party is pretty rough. And let's face it at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to live there. And it's because of the government and the racism isn't exclusive. It goes back and forth and to China, China to Korea, Korea to Japan. And you can make any combinations of those. And yeah, it's pretty accurate. Destruction of business for calling the police 1,996 times over three months. Initially, this man called for a legitimate case and wanted to get information, but then wanted to speak further. The police declined to chit chat or speak further. This is what this is the bit that I would like to know about. When they say he wanted to speak further, did he just want to talk to them? Did he have something specific to say? Did he have more information or was he just rambling on? The police, though, they got, they're like, we got other stuff to do than just talk to you all day. So uh, they hung up. So the guy started calling back and saying things like, screw you, idiot. And then hanging up. He got two warnings to stop. And this is one of those things. When you get a warning from the police, you got to realize you're dealing directly with the people who are going to arrest you. You're not dealing with like, let's say I have an argument with my neighbor and they warn me to stop. I can keep going. They can't arrest me unless they perhaps be a police officer. But if you are dealing directly with the police and the police give you a warning, stop doing what you're doing or we're going to arrest you. They know they can do it. So then they gave him a second warning. They're like, stop calling us or we're going to arrest you. And then they, he kept doing it. And then they arrested him because it's like, they don't know who he is. He keeps calling them. He's got the name. They have a open case. So they have his name on file. They know his address. They know everything about him. This is very poor criminality. Uh, when he was arrested, he denied the charges. He denied saying he had done anything wrong. And he said, I have my, which is a pretty dark, scary thing to say, which honestly is way kind of cool. But the guy's clearly an idiot because he called the police 2000 times. Two men were arrested for sending a bomb threat. We actually went over this once, uh, when it actually happened. So the two guys have been found and they've been arrested. They, they're suspected to be the people who sent over 300,000 faxes to schools, firms, and local governments. Now, most of them just ignored it, but a music school took it really seriously. The fax said there are 334 bombs in and around the school. You have to pay us 300,000 yen ransom or we're going to blow up the school. This was the Tokyo College of Music. Uh, they evacuated the school. They called the police. They did all the things. They started searching, didn't find any bombs. 300,000 yen is not enough money for this. Uh, a monthly salary in Japan would be between 250 and 400. So this is sort of the mid-range of an average monthly salary in Japan. For me, again, I've talked, like, the last few episodes about risk versus reward when it comes to your crimes one month's salary isn't enough to risk the jail term that is coming your way for making bomb threats. Uh, I am interested to see what kind of punishment this gets, you know, sent out with because uh, they just made the threat, but it's obstruction of business. So we know that's the catch all where they kind of do whatever they want with it, which is actually one of the scarier laws in Japan. These guys turned out to be part of Kushinkyo, which is a group that is known for harassing people online. So they're part of a group specifically that harassed a lawyer. That's what they're most famous for, but there's a group and they think harassing people is a form of entertainment. One of the guys, when he was arrested said, I thought it would be fun. 
if this became a big deal. Uh, and it's going to be a big deal for you as you are arrested. A woman was arrested. And this, this was interesting because it does give a sense of like what you can and can't do in Japan and take responsibility for. A woman was, a woman was arrested for creating a how to guide called how to swindle your sugar daddy. So it's not just get how to get a sugar daddy, someone who will give you money to hang out with you and be with you and just take all his money. It's how to find one of those, get him and then get him to give you as much money as possible. Whereas it goes, that goes a step beyond sort of paid relationship to fraud. There's a 20 year old girl and okay. I, in my mind was like 20 years old and she's written a book and she's made a, you know, a book that apparently works that she took 10.65 million yen from two men in Aichi. So this is why she was arrested. The connection, this is a different, okay, I have to be clear. Sorry, I got to start again. A woman used the book to scam two men out of 10.65 million yen. The scam led to her arrest, a 20-year-old woman. And that created, they were like, how did you do this? How did you get to like, how did you figure out how to scam these guys? You said, that we go, I found this book online. I bought the book. And that's where the book was revealed to the police. The police went online. The book was being sold from between 10 to 30,000 yen. But if you can make 10.65 million yen off it, that's a pretty good return on investment. Uh, so they went and found the author of the book. And then she also has been arrested because she's propagating fraud. I assume she's already done it. Uh, she was on a YouTube, she was interviewed on YouTube. She had her face covered and stuff talking about her success. So I kind of, I know it's gonna be in Japanese and my, my Japanese reading ability isn't good, but I really actually want to get that book and read it now. Cause I want to see like, were there any steps that I couldn't figure out on how to scam your sugar daddy? Because I think just having a sugar daddy is part of the initial scam. So she's taking it to a next level where it's like how to squeeze your sugar daddy for everything he's worth and more because she's like multiple sugar daddies and get your 10.65 million yen. Okay, there's one more story and this is the gross story. Week. 65-year-old man was arrested for sexually assaulting a woman by tricking her into thinking that her womb was full of bad energy and that only he could fix it by filling it with positivity. So I think you know what all that means. I don't need to get into the specifics. It's interesting because they're calling it sexual assault, which I agree it is. But in the moment, the woman was actually eager, not eager, willing, agreeable, trying to find the right word. The woman was agreeable to this process because she actually believed what he was saying. So what he was doing initially was committing fraud that led to sexual assault. So if she had had all the facts, she could have made a real decision. But because he was lying to her, she made a bad decision, which is why it's sexual assault, which I think that is a pretty fair charge. The woman was introduced to the man last November by an acquaintance who told her that her life changed for the better after paying the man for a change of life. We don't know what the change of life was. It may be the same thing where he lied to her in such a way, created some sort of mystical situation, and then sexually assaulted her. The guy, Ono, is believed to have committed the crime by telling the woman that she had bad energy in her womb and telling her, you need to put a positive energy in her in there. Only I could give it to you as one connected to God. 
Uh, when it was investigated, Ono denied the charges, saying she didn't do anything against her will. But the Metropolitan Police Department is investigating the other woman who suffered similar damage in full detail, meaning that because you managed to have sex with her and she agreed to have sex with you because you lied to her to get her to have sex with you means you committed fraud, which means what you did was sexual assault, which means now, hopefully, he's going to get punished in a very real way. 